Where in the world does an hour turn into the whole day? Every Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 3, El Barcelonines, surrounded by their friends and family, spend the entire afternoon sipping vermouth before lunch even begins. Today's guest is gunning for the whole world to embrace La Hora del Vermouth. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. Exporting cultural traditions is not an easy task. It is made slightly simpler when that tradition revolves around drinking. Alex Virgili, general manager of El Bandara, had me longing for La Hora del Vermouth, and it wasn't even the weekend. Born into a winemaking family, he and his brother are on a mission to make wine drinking fun by taking those traditions of the past and reinventing them to enjoy today. He's with me to reveal a few of these traditions. I'm thrilled to have you on the show because you were the first person in my How to Drink series to discuss vermouth. Great. So... (laughs) Why don't you introduce yourself to everyone and tell us who you are and what you do? Okay, so, well, my name is Alex Virgili, and I'm from Barcelona. I was born in a family-owned winery in Barcelona province, and I have a twin brother. I'm three minutes older than him. (laughs) And uh, so we are the young crowd of a winery. My grandparents, they used to sell bulk wine in barrels in, in the little bodegas and bars. I'm talking about the 60s in, in all over Catalonia and in Spain. And that's our origin. I'm pretty obsessed to export this success of the aperitif to the US, to the UK, you know, other markets. Now, you say that your family had uh, a winery. Now, were they yep. making vermouth or what kind of wines were they making? So, I mean, imagine when my grandparents started in 1962, basically they bought a winery and and they started selling bulk wine because at that point, the wine consumption in Spain was so high. It was around 70 liters per person per year of consumption, which now is less than 20. That's the reality. Yeah. So it has decreased. It's a business that it has decreased a lot. During the 70s, 80s, the bulk wine business was huge. You know, it was a lot of liters. Uh, and nowadays are, are beer and other drinks, you know, but not wine. So basically, that's our origin. And our grandparents in 1962, they started, apart from red wine, basically it was red wine, you know. They, they launched a vermouth, but in bulk, in barrels. So they used to supply the, these bodegas and and wine shops. And during the 80s, it was booming, the vermouth. I mean, it was a a golden stage of vermouth that then, around 10 years after, during the 90s, the consumption has decreased a lot, you know? So what we did in 2014, we launched El Bandarra. Now there are a lot of vermouth bars, but if we come back to 2014, vermouth was still old stuff, you know, in Spain. But suddenly, a group of wild hipsters, they started drinking vermouth in some bars in Barcelona. And this is when we said, wow, this is great. And we asked our father, like, Dad, do we make vermouth at the winery? Because we we didn't even know. And he said, are you idiots? Of course, (laughs) 
we've been doing vermouth for for several years you know so so basically that's what we did we we took this recipe and we bottled it and we created uh, el bandarra and that how was born in september 2014. so back to vermouth just vermouth drinking in barcelona and vermouth itself well i know that vermouth is a fortified wine mm-hmm. how were you making it and and how were the the Barce, Barce, I don't even know how to say it. The people in Barcelona. Sí, in Catalan, it's els Barcelonins. Barcelonins. Oh, el Barcelonins. How were they <laughs> drinking it? But this is before it became hipster. Hipsters are doing the same, you know. But uh-huh. so basically, how it's made, it's, it's with a, a white wine. So and it's, it's a fortified wine with different botanicals, which wormwood gives the bitterness. It's the, one of the key ingredients. And, but also we use cinnamon, clove, bitter orange, different, over 50 botanicals. And so it's fortified. We add some alcohol. Uh, the Vermouth has 15% of alcohol volume. And, and in, at that moment, we add the sweetness, which the traditional method is adding a little bit of uh, caramel. And the old Vermouths in Spain, it's the, the, the traditional way to do it. You add some caramel that gives the, the, the color and the sweetness. So basically, because we use a white wine, not red wine, you know, so that's how we make it. Then, well, then we have 500 liter barrels at the winery with old vermouth and we use the Solera system. We refresh this old vermouth with new vermouth and it has a lot of density, this vermouth, and we we call it elixir of Bandarra. And we add some elixir of each bottle of Bandarra. So we that gives this point of the old vermouth. So basically, that's that's how we made it. And answering your question about how we drink it, so our grandparents they used to use a lot of siphon, the, the soda. It's typical, but now it's great to drink it over ice with a slice of orange, an olive because I have some addiction with the olives. So how were they drinking it in the 60s, 70s? 80s and now is it pretty much the same i'm talking traditional vermouth drinking you mean the the moment of consumption yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's the same it's just, i mean same. that's that is the nicest thing of uh wild hipsters you know they get it they fall in love with the traditions and they take it again you know it's called la hora del vermouth the vermouth hour okay and uh it's weekend so saturday and sunday from 12 up to mm, 3 p.m. So this is the moment where there's this sociabilization and it's great because it's before lunch because we have lunch very late in Spain. So it's like the aperitive moment, but I love this moment because some people, they went out the night before, some people, they, they already have kids or a mortgage or it's a moment of socialization that maybe, again, you can have kids around and people get drunk with vermouth (laughs) but it's social accepted because it's like they are eating some tapas but drinking and it's like if they would drink another i don't know a gin and tonic or some other drinks you would say oh this is uh this guy is or this mommy is getting drunk but they drink vermouth and it's 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 social accepted you know (laughs) and it's a nice way to meet friends and share some food before lunch so that's the moment it's called la hora del vermouth i love that it's called the hour of vermouth and it seems to last all afternoon even though it's it's one hour so when you went to your your family you went to your dad and mom and said do we make vermouth what was Mm -hmm. in your head 
of what you wanted to create and how did you go about creating it? First of all, we tasted it and we love it. And it was like, well, okay, this vermouth is great. And then we thought, because it's wine-based, we are in the middle between wine, beer, spirits. Vermouth is just in the middle, you know? And it's an easy serve. What we did is like, okay, we, we need to put this drink in a food market or in a festival. Because in Spain, and I'm talking about in, uh, so the first two years, we were, were seeding the brand in, in, in Barcelona mainly and Catalonia region. So basically, we created a few a very successful wi white wine before Bandarra, which is called Chicharello. Chicharello means a young, stupid guy in Catalan. And while well, we are Catalan, we are very proud to be Catalan. And our idiom is a, it's a, an idiom full of insults and swear words. It's a very rich language in terms of insults. Okay. At that point, well, we launched two years before launching El Bandarra. We launched this white wine. Which, is, which has 67 insoles in the label, in the screen printed label. So it was, that, I know it was very successful because at some point for us, the wine world, it needs to be fun. I mean, let's have fun. It needs, it needs to be easy and fun, you know? So we already did some crazy stuff before Bandarra in the wine category. So with Bandarra, we started in the aperitif category. You know, so so it was a pretty easy because before El Bandarra we did some successful launches, and that's why they said okay. I mean, after a wine with sixty-seven insoles in the bottle, they said okay, let's go, <laughs> let's, let's let's make a Bandarra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we like your crazy ideas. They're gonna work, right? <laughs> Where did you start? What was your thinking, and how long did it take to get the first? thing in the bottle that you liked? So we started with uh, Rojo, which is the main, I mean, in Spain, every 10 bottles of Vermouth, uh, every, uh, 10 bottles sold, nine are Rojo, okay? So it's the yeah. main, and which we, was, was the Vermouth that we, we had at the winery, you know? So we started with this one for the first three years, like only focused in uh, Bandara Rojo. What was the flavor profile? Did you have an idea or did you want to make it taste like something specific that you had had before? When we taste the original recipe, we thought, wow, this is amazing. And at some point we thought, we, I, I told to my father, like, maybe this it's a bit, maybe we should add more sweetness. And he, he came back to me like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> We're, we're not going to change the recipe. So it was the traditional yeah, recipe a, from the beginning. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, because at some point we thought maybe we should add some more sweetness, but because it's, it has a good, really perfect balance between bitterness and sweetness, you know? But it's a, maybe it's a, mm -hmm. it has a touch of dry, but it's not as dry as other or more or bitter. It's, it's a soft vermouth, you know? It's very soft. So yeah, what, that's what we did. We maintained the recipe, okay? Like it's... Something works, but again, there was no branding, you know, there, there, it was right. only in barrels, no, no, no branding. And so how did you come up with the name and the branding and the yes. fabulous bottle? So, well, what, you know, El Bandarra, what El Bandarra means? No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, El Bandarra is that kind of friend that she or he, when you go out, he's the one who remains in the, in the club until the end of the night. Okay. He's like, uh, but he or she, 
is that this kind of person that is a good person, but is a troublemaker. So that's a, that is El Bandarra, what El Bandarra means, okay? So we trust that vermouth, it uh, takes out the Bandarra that you have inside, you know? <laughs> and All right, who, number one, who thought of the name? And number two, are you or your brother? Which one is uh, Bandara? Yeah, I have, I'm, I'm the Bandara. I'm the Bandara, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and it was my brother's idea. I mean, the good, we are a great team, Albert and me, because, well, I mean, we spend most, I mean, the whole life together, you know, we are twins and he's a genius. He's a super creative person and, and he came with this idea. So. I always say that he's the software and I'm the hardware, you know? So he comes <laughs> with the great ideas and I, I try to make it happen. I'm a sales person. I love, I love to sell. When you have a good product, you know, it's like we need to spread mm -hmm. more, you know? So yeah, it came, he came with the, the idea of like, why don't we call it Bandarra? And why don't we look for a packaging that reminds, you know, that to this gold stage of the vermouth from the 80s, you know, and and that's how we came with this design, with this uh, colorful bottle. So now, now you said something about it being from the 80s. Did yeah, you say? there were uh, a lot of soda brands. So during the huh. early early 80s, so, so 70s, early 80s, all over Spain, in every little town, there was a Carbonicas. Carbonicas, it were like distributors that they used to refill bottles of soda. They were everywhere. And there, there were like hundreds of different brands that they used to uh, use this kind of bottle that we have this tap, mechanical tap. But suddenly the system was not in terms of sanitizer. Uh, it was not the pr pr proper. So there, there was a law during the 80s that basically they have to switch their business into beer distribution, but not the refilling system of soda. And so this type of packaging was left aside, you know, and that was when we thought, okay, well, let's find this bottle again, that you can refill it. You can refill the bottle. And that's what we did. That's the bottle. And then the design, this lettering, this colorful letterings. All right, yes. I'm, grabbing, I'm grabbing a bottle. Yep. Okay. So if you can read, yeah, if you can read some. Okay. I'm good. Now, I, again, I don't speak Spanish and there's about how many words? Maybe. Yeah. 50, um, I don't know. 30 I words it, maybe on 40 it. 40 or 50. Yeah. Um, caramba. Pimentos de Padron. Yeah. <laughs> muy buenas. Uh, salud. Bombas. Bombas. Bravas. Bravas. Oh, is that? Wait. Tortilla. Jamón. Yes. Croquetas. Uh, sal. Bacalao. So lots of things that have to do mm. with, um, tapas. with tapas That's it. and eating. So, and there are some basically are ta uh, tapas and expressions, you know, like salud, uh, plan caramba. So different expressions that mm, you will hear if you go to La Hora del Bermud, you know? So all those tapas match perfectly with uh, El Bandarra. So that's the concept, you know? The packaging is helping you to decide which tapas uh, do you, can you order, you know? Wait, no, are they different? No, the rojo, the one that you have there, it's in Catalan. Oh, no way. So basically, well, as you know, 
as I told you. Uh, so <laughs> we, for Catalonia, we sell the screen printed bottles in Catalan. And for the rest of the Spain, we sell it in Spanish. You know, because ah, very that, interesting. It's very well because we trust that the languages language is culture, and if you want to preserve your language, you need to mm, talk. You know, to uh, you need to use, use pencils it. also, <laughs> and the tapas. <laughs> you know, and everything. So yeah, that's why yeah, you have the two the Spanish bottle and the Catalan bottle. But the thing is that these letterings we took the idea from again from the. Well, it was even earlier, like 60s, during the 60s, in many bars in Barcelona, in Madrid, yeah, they used to mm-hmm. pin this lettering in their windows. Oh, there were many bars mm, with paintings of uh, the different tapas that they were offering. So that's where we, we took this design, you know, and we put it in our bottle, Mofel Albandarra. And that was how we created the, our packaging. I love that for such a modern product uh, that you have harked back to the past it's it's quite romantic we have an obsession of this i mean for example now we are working on a campaign al fresco the Uh our new operative and our new campaign we will talk about our grannies our abuelas were you always thinking to bring out like a white a rosé and a red or was it only the rojo at first? Yeah, for the first three years was rojo. So we launched the brand in 2014. Then after two years of seeding the brand, we drive the brand from regional to national in Spain. And that was when we started ha- having more distribution and more clients. And some clients, they asked, why don't you make a white, you know? And uh, well, so we thought, okay, let's make a, let's try it. And when we bottled, the Blanco, at some point we, th- we thought, oh, maybe we put too much vanilla. <laughs> it was like, it, it smells a lot of vanilla. So we use different botanicals, <laughs> but at some point it was a mistake. But then we said, okay, I mean, we have bottled it already. So, you know, let's, let's start selling. And, and people love it. The white is great. And then one year after, we thought, why don't we make a rosé? And, and that's why... We created Bandara Rosé, which is the lightest one. It has 30% less sugar than the other ones. We made the three vermouths. But then <laughs> last year we launched Bandara Fresco, and I'm very proud of this launch. The Bandara Fresco yes. is an aperitivo. That's it. Right? Yep. Now, the aperitivo drinking as opposed to the hour of the vermouth, the hour it's that different. is like the whole day, it's different. I know a lot about the Italian aperitivo culture. Is it the same in Spain and in Barcelona? So in Barcelona, we are like the kings of <laughs> La Hora del Vermouth, okay? The, not us, not only us, we are right. all the brands of Vermouth, you know? But then okay. there's the, the early afternoon and early evening, we call it tardeo. Like uh, tarde, it's evening in Spanish. And tardeo is that moment after lunch that you meet some friends, you start drinking, and then the night comes. You know? So this first drink, we call it tardeo. And the thing is that this momentum, it's not a vermouth moment, you know? So we try to push uh, Bandara Rosé 
in 2019, we tried to push the Bandarros Rosé to work on a new aperitif and al fresco. It's not, a, we, we don't call it vermouth because it's not a fortified wine. It's not a vermouth. So why? Basically, with al fresco, we use a Grenache. So it's a rosé wine that has a, a very deep color because what we do once we harvest and we collect the grapes and we pick the grapes at, at the winery, we crush the grapes and we pump the entire grapes in a press. And at that moment, we make a skin maceration, skin contact maceration, so with a mast, and it lasts minimum two days. So during two days, the, the grape juice, the mast, stays in contact with the skins. And then we press, and so we ferment the juice. So the, the result is a, a wine with a lot of flavor, a lot of color, right like red deep red color and it has 14.5 percent of alcohol volume okay so what we do with uh, this wine is we make a maceration with wormwood, wormwood of course to give the bitterness but also different um, citrics like uh, grapefruit bitter orange and different red fruits also so more fruit and more than the ones that we use for uh, the bandara vermouth rojo and the touch of sweetness Instead of caramel, for alfresco, we use nectar of must. So the, the juice from, from the grapes, we add the touch of an, an must to give the sweetness. And that's how we do it. So basically, it's not fortified because we don't add alcohol. The, this 14.5% of alcohol volume, it's, it comes from the, the wine. Okay? I'm so proud because we created you know, the alfresco you know, to be mixed with tonic. And you know, it was not easy. I mean, when you have the idea and then you start sampling and tasting and uh, it's hard work, of course, well, always drinking, <laughs> but it's a hard work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure because you're using so many things, you know, you don't know, should I take out the grapefruit? Should I put it back in? Should I take out the dish? Should I put it back in? You know, it's difficult to make a recipe. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take from one year? the... The idea one year. and one year. year, yeah, 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 one year. So yeah, uh -huh. and always trying it with tonic, you know, yeah, yeah, to yeah, make yeah, sure yeah, you yeah. get the proportions right. Because that I, I assume that was the idea to always have it with tonic. Yes, yes, because the idea it was to it was something new for us, you know, to make the perfect serve that this perfect serve has has around five, uh, well, less than five, like four point five percent alcohol volume, you know. So it's uh, when you mix one part of alfresco, two parts of tonic, it's or serve or perfect serve. It's four point five percent. So it's super refreshing, easy drinkable, yeah. you know. And uh, very easy. Yeah. <laughs> Salud. So. Salud. And I would like to tell you about alfresco. Why this name? Do you know when you think about alfresco? What do you think? Like alfresco. Being outside. Okay. All right. Well, so let me tell you that in Spain, when our co yes. our concept of al fresco is our grannies, our abuelas. <laughs> so if you come to uh, during summer, in many huh? little towns and villages, uh, the grannies they take the share the shares and they go outside in the street and they meet with their friends, you know. And they, they share information. They are like the FBI 
of each little town, you know. <laughs> and that's that for us is that uh, comes from Alfresco. And I have to say that also the tonic water. I mean, for me and many many of my friends, the first person that introduced me tonic water was my grandma, uh -huh. because they drink a lot of tonic. <laughs> So that's where Alfresco comes from. And I think we should hear more and listen more our grannies because they are amazing. And I think it's an, an universal concept, you know, like the respect and the energy of, of our grannies or grandmas. Yeah. <laughs> My grandmother was the one to teach me to, to drink one spirit only because then I wouldn't get a hangover. And she also was the first person to introduce me to the Caipirinha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I had a grandmother who liked, who liked her drink. And yes, and she saw I liked my drink. And so she would teach me these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never get drunk. They always stay, you know, in this perfect level. We call it, we have a word in <laughs> Spanish for that. It's called piripi. Piripi. <laughs> piripi. Yes. Piripi. When you feel you are okay. piripi. Is this moment that, you know, it's you're not drunk, but you're you you have this, you know, and the grannies are, you know, they are the best at it. <laughs> <laughs> They're in a constant state of PDP. Yes, that's it. The art of PDPismo. Yeah, that could be your next drink, <laughs> right? Your next <laughs> PDP. We launched Alfresco in July 2020, so in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> So we thought, okay, because I have to say that we, we from our learnings, mainly in the UK market, we try to push the surf, you know, how we drink it in Barcelona, you know, or in Madrid or all over Spain. And it was a bit hard, you know, we list the Rojo in, in, I would say, 40 different accounts in, in, in the UK, but it, the Brit consumer didn't understand and, and and then we tried, as I told you, with the rosé, with tonic, and it didn't work. And, and we said, okay, let's launch uh, Alfresco. No? And it's amazing how in many export markets, and mainly in the UK, they understand perfectly the, the aperitif category, you know. And they love Barcelona and our energy as a brand. And, and it's doing really well, even with the restrictions, you know, the COVID restrictions. So, I mean... I haven't met anyone that doesn't like it, Alfresco. So it's great. <laughs> and, and That's and, great. And, mm, what we realize also is that there are some other spread brands or aperitif brands that are more female, maybe. You don't see that, you know, the, in Spain, I don't know. In Spain, we have, you know, the, the macho, macho español <laughs> that they don't drink. They maybe they drink beer, you know. And what we realize mm -hmm. is Alfresco has a perfect gender split, like 50-50, like, and that's very important for us, you know, that to target as many people as possible, you know, and it has this taste, like this touch of bitterness, but also fruitness and sweetness. I mean, I'm a vermouth drinker. I love vermouth rojo, but I have to say that many, some days when I arrive at home, you know, like to drink something refreshing. Alfresco, it's amazing. Alfresco and tonic, you drink it, you know, you take a long sip, you know, it's like, it's super easy to drink. Uh, since we're talking about drinks, now do you see, the Alfresco obviously goes with the tonic 
perfect serve. Um, do you see your others being mixed in cocktails or used in a different way as well? So, yes. I have to say that in Spain, the cocktail culture is less extended than in the UK, for example. I mean, we have a, um, a huge culture of gastronomy, the Mediterranean cuisine and everything. Yes. I think that the part of the gastronomy in the UK is cocktail. <laughs> you know, it's, it's cocktail. <laughs> and I, I learned a lot in the, in the UK because my girlfriend, she's based here. So I, uh, if I went to make love, I have to come to London. So it's, it's a good reason to come. And I love London. Yes. I love London. So I learned a lot from the last few years here in, in, in London uh, about cocktails. And I have to say the first time that when we started selling and I went through some accounts uh, from some on-trade clients and I asked for, uh, for uh, yeah, one bandarra. And they gave me a, like a cocktail, like a super posh cocktail <laughs> and i was like mm, we don't make bandara for that i want to drink it on rice with a slice of orange and that's it you know but then i realized that there's i mean a lot of cocktail lovers and there's a huge consumption of cocktails so el bandara it wasn't born to be a, an ingredient for cocktails but at the end i thought okay that it is what it is so I have to say that El Bandara Rojo, for example, for a super easy Negroni and refreshing Negroni, it's perfect because at the end, Italian and French vermouths are more bitter, are, have more density. Our vermouth is more easy to drink. So I, I hate Negronis. <laughs> I don't like Negroni, but I have to say that because I think it's hard to drink. I prefer something easy to drink. But anyway... Uh, if you want to make an easy Negroni, El Bandarra is a good tool. For example, the Bandarra Blanco that has this point of more sweetness, it, it feels like it's sweeter than the Rojo, but it's because it's less bitter. No? If you have more bitterness, it is like less, less uh, sweet. And many bartenders, they use it for different cocktails, you know, and many people use it for cocktails, but I would recommend you know, to drink it straight. <laughs> Make it simple. <laughs> I was so eager to start drinking my El Bandara al fresco that I totally forgot to go back and ask Alex about his olive addiction. So a few days later, we caught up again to finish our chat. So I interrupted you before. And you were about to tell me about this passion you have for olives or this love of olives. So tell me about it and, and how you use it in El Bandara. Uh, yeah, so, well, I I mean, the last oli aceitunas in Spanish uh, or olivas, how we say in Spanish. Uh, I mean, first of all, Spain is the first producer of the world of olives. It's the main producer. And uh, and here, I mean, we love olives, and I have to say that I'm I'm pretty addict. Uh, I if I start eating olives, I mean I can stop. And and yeah, so basically, um, we are very used to uh, when we pour um, el bandarra rojo, maybe, but but also the blanco or the, or the rosé. We uh, apart from I mean, put it over ice, slice of orange, and we add an olive inside. It's great because 
as a you know as an aperitif you know you can uh, start this perfect balance between sweetness and bitterness uh, of uh, of the bandarra adding an olive with the saltiness of the olive you know it it's it's amazing how it tastes and how when you eat the olive you know with the this uh vermouth taste it's 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 amazing it's my like it's like uh making love <laughs> it's, it's great <laughs> um and is that something that was traditional for uh, putting in a vermouth yeah, yes, yeah. you're not you if you come to Barcelona or Madrid or any city all over Spain, I mean it's very typical. I mean you will you will get this perfect surf with uh, an olive. But I always ask uh, to. I mean it's better if you ask for two olives, better than one, <laughs> or as many olives as possible. That's it. So I was wondering with your vermouth, because it is made out of wine. Do you ever make sangria from it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an ingredient for sangria. Uh, as you know, the most uh, international Spanish cocktail, it's sangria. And with sangria, uh, every bar, every restaurant all over Spain, they have their, their own re recipe, you know. So most, most of them, they use a touch of bandarra, of rojo or blanco. So normally for the red sangria, um, many restaurants use the rojo. And there's also the very famous uh, sangria of cava, like a white sangria with cava. And they use a touch of bandarra blanco to give a point of sweetness. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a sangria drinker. I, I'm more of a vermouth drinker. But uh, yeah. A touch of bandara, it's always great, you know, for enjoying sangria also. Fab. Now, I always end by asking my guests the same question. If you could have any drink anywhere right now, where would that be? So it would be, well, bandara al fresco and tonic for sure. And I would say Formentera. Formentera, it's a little island uh, close to Ibiza. It's a very, very cute and very small island that it's it's a paradise. And I would say, yeah, I would say mm, that's what I where I would drink <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, sounds divine. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show. And um, hopefully I'll see you in Fomentera. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> It was so great to have Alex on the program. And thank you for sponsoring the transcription of this episode. As we head into summer, you'll find me sitting in a chair outside my house drinking El Bandara al Fresco, just like an abuela, which makes it imperative to memorize our cocktail of the week. Our cocktail of the week is the Alfresco Spritz. Add 30 mils of Alfresco to a glass filled with ice. Then top it up with 60 mils of tonic. Then mix it gently and garnish with a slice of orange. And also remember to always have an olive in your vermouth. Alex's rules. 
You'll find this recipe, more Antonic cocktails, and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com, where you'll find all the ingredients in our shop. I'm sorry to have been a bit sporadic with the episodes. I flew home to a sick dad, a sick grandfather, and a mother who's trying to manage it all. Thank goodness I can be here for them, but it is full on. But if you live for Lush Life, make sure you head out to the bars and restaurants you love and tell them how much you love them. Theme music for Lush Life is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leaves me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly and wash your hands and wear a mask. Next week, we'll be heading down Mexico way to meet Mezcal. Until that time, bottoms up. Bottoms up.